0: Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, a.k.a. MFKS Radio on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who have spent a lot of time escaping into fantasy worlds.
1: Oh, that's good. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> The Garbage Fire pot is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. See, this is what I do each time. You don't get to see me, but I do this with my hands.
0: It's a good, it's a good rhythm. Like we could teach like rhyme and meter, uh, a rhythm and meter in poetry with it. Uh, it's very bouncy.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much iambic.
0: <laughs> we did that intentionally, I'm sure. Um Uh, it's been a minute since we've done this.
1: Yeah, I was looking and it's like six weeks.
0: I Uh, I mean, things happened. You went, you went and and saw a concert, uh, in Phoenix, uh, Vegas. No, Vegas.
1: Vegas. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, I totally forgot about that. Just now. Thank you. And did
0: like, you know, Heroes work and sent me video clips of, uh, lots of songs, which was really nice. Um, and then like things just kind of happened, you know, there was like Easter in there. And then, uh, I had like choir concerts last weekend. So we're doing this, but what's fun about this today is April the 22nd. Um, I'm going to see you next week. And then I'm also going to see you the week after. And then I probably won't see you again until like October.
1: oh god that's true unfortunately it would yeah. be june but the timing of that's not gonna work out either
0: no it's, it's so close we're like just a week off be, or like a day off really it's too bad
1: yeah but like after you know after that weekend in may we're just gonna be like okay we're tapped out <laughs> we've got our fill <laughs> of each other for a little while we're good exactly
0: um okay so we're gonna delve into some of these things that we forgot to talk about uh no we never didn't forget to talk about it we just never recorded anything uh we're gonna talk about the Dungeons and Dragons movie we're gonna talk about uh beef on Netflix which everybody should watch because holy fuck and we're gonna talk about the last kingdom movie uh which I did I ever send you my note I don't know if I did my note is so goddamn long from that movie I had so many things to say
1: yeah minus two. It's crazy. I think we had just sent each other like the first like fifteen minutes worth of notes or something like yeah. that., um, but yeah, it got there's, uh, yeah, that's probably the most notes I've ever taken out of anything, except I was looking back in my document. I think I took more notes for <laughs> to all the boys, too.. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so what are we doing first let's do dungeons Dungeons and dragons Dragons? yeah yeah
0: um i don't know anything about dungeons and dragons other than like it features heavily in uh freaks and geeks it features heavily in stranger things and things like that i like i I have friends who play it or whatever i understand what it's about the movie was fucking unbelievable it was
1: so good so good So good. And that's such a joy to hear that come from you as just having someone who has like, you know, a general cultural understanding of what it is. And yet you still thoroughly enjoyed it, which was fantastic. The way they adapted this game into a movie in a way that has not been done successfully before, I'd say. I think they did a wonderful job. Like i I listened to many a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, but have not had the opportunity to play myself, but the, even me who hasn't played it was just like, oh, okay. I see what they're doing here. And I see what they're doing here. There's these little kind of nods that they're giving to people where they can't just be like, Druids can only wild shape once a day, you know, just like, why isn't she turning into the owl bear 24/7, right?
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: But you're like, okay, they've created this world where they're like filling in the constraints that the game also has, and they're adapting that to the screen, which was so funny, and it was also yeah. fucking hilarious.
0: It was it was like it's one of the funniest movies I've seen in a really, really long time. I think that like we I think that we have very much like collectively truly underrated Chris Pine's comedic skills um I think his his comic timing in basically everything that he did was just unbelievable and like I enjoyed that he didn't have a British accent I enjoyed that they just let him be himself um But yeah, he's very, very funny. And I thought he was perfectly cast.
1: So funny. And also brought, like, the emotional heaviness to it that it needed in order to pack that emotional punch in the end. Like, I think if it was a different actor, the end when he's got the item wouldn't feel as serious as it would otherwise like he's got the chops to fulfill it and i i don't know if you saw i can't remember i spent like three hours on instagram today just scrolling but i sent you a a video of people talking about the scene when reggae walks into the distance and he didn't hear cut and chris mine is just time. yes
0: that's that might be the funniest like piece of movie trivia i've ever heard in my entire life because it felt very awkward and uncomfortable like it was a very long walk away and they kept cutting back to chris pine and they cut back to the walking way and i was like what the fuck is happening and then i realized that it's what so was long, happening such a long
1: scene oh it was really funny so good i loved reggae's character too i think he was so he was pretty much playing simon in a fantasy world again
0: Oh yeah, and, and Simon, like, but like, so, like an enhanced version of Simon almost. Like he was yeah, absolutely Simon was uh like Simon was um a rake and his character in D D was not in any like he was That's true morally you know like a paragon of morality.
1: Mm-hmm. But like in terms of like, if we were to <laughs> apply the word overpowered, I think that fits for Simon and <laughs> his character in the Dungeons and Dragons movie too. But so funny how they're like, well, you should come with us. And he's like, no, it's your journey. You guys stay. He's like, no, please God, come with us. You're so powerful. He's like, no, I must await. <laughs> I love that just like, it's, it's such a it's such a sort of like middle finger to audiences because you know that there's going to be people saying, well, why didn't they just take the eagles to Mordor? You know, mm-hmm. like is that equivalent. And they're putting that in the screenplay for fans, which I think is so funny. And also it kind of is a... Oh, I don't even know where to begin with this. So I'm just going to let it... But... I think my favorite character in the movie was the dragon.
0: The dragon was pretty great. Yes. Um,
1: Yes. When she came on screen, I was like, yes, queen. I said that aloud in the theater. (laughs) In which it was me, two like 60-year-old women, and (laughs) A smattering of single and double groupings of, like, 50-year-old men. <laughs> that's awesome. So I don't know what that says about, like, the demographic for this movie. But that's who was in there with me. Was yours full?
0: Um, No, because we went we went on the Friday of spring break. But I think it was, like, 1 oh, o'clock right. or 1.15. So it wasn't totally full. It was maybe half full. But there were lots of, like, kids there, too.
1: Oh, okay, good. Did they like the movie? Do kids like it? Oh, yeah.
0: They, they thought it was funny. They laughed. And, like, yeah, it was great.
1: My question for you is, did you cry?
0: At the end, yes. I sobbed like a fucking baby.
1: Mm-hmm. I did, too. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I'm just sitting there in disbelief sobbing. This yeah. is, I my- think, my favorite Michelle Rodriguez' role; she had depth. She had the best like chemistry with Chris Pine. I thought she was fantastic, and I find her in other things to be incredibly wooden. Mm-hmm. And that could just be the writing that she's. got I thought she was fantastic in this movie. Like mm-hmm. the only time in her whole career that I've like connected with her.
0: I. So I quite, I mean, I've seen her in lots of stuff. i watched lots of Fast and Furious things and other things that she's been in. Um, and my when I was crying at the end, um, the thought that I had uh, that crossed my mind was, this is the second Michelle Rodriguez movie that I've cried in because I also cried at the end of Fast 7 when like Paul Walker's character doesn't come back. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, the emotional, like, like you said before, Chris Pine has the chops to bring that emotional weight to that mm-hmm. role. Um, but the chemistry that they had together was really, really good. And it was just her role was like just lighthearted enough that like she didn't have to be so wooden. And she had the ability to like have a personality and and also like a bit of a badass, which was cool. Like she was she was tough and whatever. And it was awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She kicked so much ass and she had this fantastic deadpan energy that wasn't. I think Deadpan sometimes gets a bad rap of being, uh, you know, like, monotone. Mm-hmm. But her character was written that it was Deadpan because it was always just, like, straight truth of, like, this is really fucking dumb. Here's the perfect response to this question. It's the most obvious logical thing. It's this is dumb. This is good. This is bad. Yet, Like, she just had this, like, fantastic energy that wasn't dismissive and wasn't negative and wasn't like snide it was just very oh, it just had a lot of substance to it I was just like I loved it loved it loved it loved it
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think yeah she I thought it was good I thought it was really 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 good um I enjoyed like the stakes of the story too because that was the thing I wasn't sure about when I heard they were making this see this cast, I see all these things going on. And I was super curious as to like what is like the journey that the characters are taking and like where what's the thing that they're trying to do. And then it totally made sense. And like, you know, Chris Pine, you know, trying to save his daughter and like bring back his wife. Spoilers, I guess. Sorry. Um, but like not being at the end, not being able to bring back his wife and instead using Mm -hmm. um using the powers that he's got for something I think better ultimately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what the the story was. I, the uh, The unfortunate part is knowing that Hugh Grant was in it, I was like, oh, he must be the bad guy somehow. Like, it just, it was kind of like Matt Damon being an Interstellar. It was like, oh, okay. Like, there's got to be something here, <laughs> you know.
1: Um <laughs> was, any like, time you see in any movie, you're like, okay, he's the bad
0: guy. <laughs> yeah, like, I just sort of assumed that I was like, well, it's got to be Hugh Grant. Because I knew it wasn't going to be you know, one of, like, the younger people, which sounds really dumb, but I was like, no, 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 it has to be him. So other than that, I was, like, really pleasantly surprised with the film. I thought it was, like, really, really fun.
1: Mm-hmm. So fun. I think a second viewing of it would be still fun, because I think you'd catch a lot more that you missed the first time around, just trying to keep up with the, like, density of... The stuff of the world that they throw at you so early like what his whole job is like his whole story while they're waiting for Jarnathan to show up at his mm-hmm. like parole hearing all that is it's a lot to take in as you know opening dialogue sort of thing um and I think you'd notice a lot more of fun nods to the game and stuff too on a on a second viewing and I think it's just like it's great it's so I haven't seen a movie like that in a long time that was just like really fun and self-aware but still really genuine with substance like it just it ticks so many boxes for me that I think I haven't seen in theaters for a while
0: yeah yeah it did and it was like it's a really big like sort of not like a a franchise movie it could be they could absolutely make another maybe not with that cast because they've already done that but they could Mm -hmm. absolutely like keep that world and keep some of like the secondary characters and stuff and kind of almost like a like a knives out sort of thing where you've got like the one character that maybe works their way through or whatever I think Mm -hmm. like Yeah, I think I think they could probably continue this. So I don't want to call it like a tentpole sort of like film in a franchise, but it has the potential. um, I think that they could if they really wanted to, they could turn it into something.
1: Yeah, they are. I was watching an interview with Chris Pine on some British radio show and he pretty much said like, yeah, there's going to be a second one for sure.
0: And there should be, because like, I don't know how well mm-hmm. is the box office, I didn't look at any of those things, but my god, it was like, it was just so, so entertaining and so fun, and like, not that it's necessarily original, because it is based on, you know, existing sort of intellectual property, but I've never seen yeah. anything, I haven't seen anything like that in a really, really long time, and so I felt in a lot of ways that it was kind of new and fresh and different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like a fitting, yeah, like checking so many boxes for. So it looks like April third, two hundred forty-five million worldwide, which is pretty that's, good.
0: That is pretty good. Yeah, that's some good. That's a good box office, and because it opened up on on March thirty-first, yeah, because it was that last Friday of, um, of spring break. That's right. But yeah, it was it was good. Um. Would recommend it to anyone. I think anyone should go watch it. Um, It was was very worthwhile. And if you're like, oh, I don't like Dungeons and Dragons or I think it's stupid. I know, like I said, very, very little about the game itself other than sort of like those like cultural references. And it did not matter. I did not need to know anything at all. It was one of those where there's an established universe and people who understand the established world can maybe get some different stuff out of it. But if you know nothing about it, you can still be entertained. You can still have fun. Uh, it's still like really, really accessible for a wide population.
1: Totally. And I think that's really grounded in how great the cast is, to be honest, like they, they did really great work in making sure that, you know, all that, nonsense that they say is deliverable and real Absolutely. oh god it's chris pine right. it's go see it <laughs> like it's it's no uh
0: you know chris pine getting naked in the water in like whatever what what was that movie you know the king one that was oh, was king? yeah I was um, yeah, it's nothing like that, but like he's he's magnetic. Like I would love to go watch him on stage. I think he would be just like oh yes. I think watching like when I went to it was when I was in New York and I saw uh Denzel doing um the role in Nice Man Cometh, I like I could not take my eyes off of him anytime he was on stage. I think Chris Pine has that same kind of magnetism. I think it would be really hard to not be like solely focused on him. So yeah, he's phenomenal. Go yes. see it um six out of five like it was great
1: absolutely absolutely six out of five have you seen
0: uh john wick i have not okay i'm not gonna spoil it but i will also say also six out of five it was fucking incredible
1: i thought the third one was really boring it was this one was way
0: better there is a when you see it we can talk about it there's a sequence in the middle where it's just like this ridiculous crane shot for the camera, and it, the sequence is probably six minutes long, and the camera is just like up above the entire time, and it is unbelievable. I was just like, "Yep, yeah, this movie should win an oh award." It was so good.
1: Oh wow! Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, really yeah I thought the third it. one was, so funny, but so it kind of put me off. But yeah, trying to see it eventually. We just recently watched Creed three. I still haven't seen that but Other than that, I'm trying to think. I haven't really seen movies. Um, What were we going to talk about next?
0: Uh, we have Beef and Last Kingdom.
1: Oh, yeah. Which are we going to talk about longer? I think probably Last Kingdom we're going to talk about longer. So let's do that last.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so Beef uh, is a Netflix series starring Steven Yeun and Ali Wong um, and some other people. It doesn't matter. It is uh,
1: art. It is art. It is not television. It is not a series. It is art.
0: It was absolutely fucking magnificent. I watched it in one night. Um, I started at like 545 and finished at like 1230 and it was worth every minute of my time.
1: I can't believe you watched it one night because you were texting me you're like oh I watched the first episode it's so great and then like I get this text at 12 30 it's like oops all done." <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I just I like, went pee in that time like goodness gracious
0: yeah it was um it was so good and I remember seeing the trailer for it and just thinking like oh this looks like it'll be really good I like Ali Wong I like Steven Yeun I was like yeah cool like and it's pitched as a road rage incident that like escalates out of control, which like it is, but the road it rage is. road rage incident is really just the catalyst for like these everyone's lives to just completely unravel in like all of the worst ways, but then also kind of be put back together,
1: yeah, the end I want to talk about for approximately eight hours, but <laughs> I. I'm still just like in disbelief as to how you mainlined it because I could only watch like three episodes at a time before I was like, I just need to like to walk away and I need to fucking digest what is happening because the worst, like for you and I, one day in these people's lives would be like the worst day we've ever had and they have the worst days of all time. Over and over and over and over. And the worst part of it is, is that they're complicit in creating their own repeated worst days. And they learn nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh They learn nothing. They change nothing. In the end. They just perceive themselves as bad, broken, empty, but solid. And they just see that in someone else. And they're like, okay. And I was like, people have died. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? People have died because of a honk and a middle finger. That's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and like. Yeah. So, Pete, yeah. So it's this. It starts off with these two characters, Danny and Amy. Is that her name? Yeah. And yeah, they are in a parking lot, and he's going home to kill himself, and she's mm-hmm. just having a shitty day. And basically, he's going to back up his car. She gets in the way, and they just get into this like insane, like heightened parking lot altercation that ends with Mm -hmm. like a a high-speed chase and getting like they get caught on someone's like doorbell camera you know in this like fancy neighborhood in the city and all this kind of stuff and it just like escalates out of control from like literally nothing
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and it just and and there's like a weird there's a time jump in it and like so this spans like a a significant amount of time and it starts off with these Mm -hmm. two people they're just so fucking mad about this this parking lot incident and then like as the story unravels you learn a little bit more about their lives and about you know like all of Amy's frustrations with her husband and her mother-in-law and even her daughter um, and all of the stuff that goes on and Danny's frustration with like you know just trying to make ends meet and do a good job and like he's very clearly experiencing like you know some discrimination on the jobs that he's working because people don't want him like there's all this stuff kind of you know melded together and eventually like it just that that little incident in that parking lot just for the two of them is the catalyst that sets off this chain reaction that like like you said kills people and absolutely raises their lives to the ground
1: Mm -hmm. I think too that in hearing kind of your your summary of of these characters as people I think we have to also say that they're not good people
0: (laughs) No, they're robotic. Like
1: they both do abominable shit from childhood onward that creates these like conditions in which we meet them. And I think that their their internalization of all this anger and all this disappointment they have with their own selves and their own lives is mm-hmm i think one of the most profound things about this series because it's so relevant like Mm -hmm. who of us would not just want to fucking flip the fuck out in Mm -hmm. traffic or whatever but we have to keep it together because we live in a society and these two individuals decided no
0: not today absolutely not. not today like there's... not today <laughs> it's true and, and, and it's it... like it's just so like yeah it just happened to be the right it was like the right wrong wrong place wrong time right place right however you want to phrase mm-hmm. that and it was just for the those two people like if in that parking lot they had each encountered a different person Probably nothing comes of it. It just all of a sudden it's like all of these things coalesce and it's just like, it's the powder keg. And yeah, it's absolutely remarkable how quickly they find themselves sort of wrapped up in this like very strange revenge plot.
1: Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even revenge I saw it as a very twisted love story. And I think Uh that's, you know, somewhat validated at the end because I just could not, I was like, why are you pouring so much energy into this person that you do not know? Uh Right. Like, how can you not just let it go unless you see something of yourself in this person. Uh And there were so many times in the show where it's, written as like okay we've met up we've talked it out we're gonna let it go we realize we fucked up multiple times this happens and then each of them does something so dumb and so stupid to provoke the other terrible relationships in their lives to take a terrible (laughs) action against them that makes it just explode even further than it possibly ever could. I mean, can we shout out Maria Bello, please?
0: Oh my God, she was amazing. Yes, we can.
1: She's fantastic in this show. And the heel turn of her and Naomi's friend being together in in the last few episodes I was like whoa what and then Maria Bella was like putting the moves on Amy too when they're like in this hostage situation I was like we need to show about this chick too because she's a fucking disaster her and her brother that we hear only bad things about but never see would love to see what this guy's about too but it's just like, it's just unbelievable the waves that these little interactions have mm-hmm. in their lives. I couldn't, but also each of them, I, I'm curious what you think. Like Danny, I think is <sighs> straight up not good at his job. mm mm-hmm. Okay. His number one failing, I think, is that he has confidence that is unearned.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he has the confidence of a white man, and he's not a white man. Yes.
1: Yes, he had. Well, and I think that phrasing is... (laughs) Let's not put that on on the internet. (laughs) But he... He has the confidence of a white man, but he, he's not good at his job. Like, I can't believe the mistakes that he constantly makes and yet does no internalization about why he's failing. It's like constantly a blame on other people's situation. But Amy's character is really interesting because she like self-identifies as a bad person. Mm-hmm. Even from childhood, like, with that very scary witch symbolism that comes up in, what, episode seven or eight or whatever that was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But other than that, like, I think she's a competent businesswoman. I think she's a competent parent. Like, she tries to have good relationships with her like she tries a lot and I'm just trying to figure out like other than this like deep-seated anger and resentment she has I don't think she has that same like quality that Danny has of just being just really not good at anything.
0: Yeah I think that's fair like she's very accomplished and she's like kind of trying to do it all um yeah in you know all of the ways she's trying to she's trying to make sure that like yeah they're providing a good life for their daughter and all this kind of stuff her husband just fucking sucks and she's trying so hard to make it work with him and like his mother lives in the house with them and she's trying to like deal with all of these things and like her rage in that parking lot totally makes sense as she's like You know, just, like, she's being crushed by the weight of all of these things that she's trying to hold up, basically. And it just boils over, like, at this wrong time. Whereas, yeah, Danny's, like, (sighs) mediocre at best. Yeah. And sees himself so much better than that. And he's just, like, but, but for him, the same thing. He's doing his best to, like, hold his family together and, like, do these things. He's just going about it. He's doing it the only way that he's capable of. He's just going about it in mm-hmm. such like the most backwards way imaginable to the point that like all of the things he does instead of bringing his family back together, like rips it apart even worse than it was before.
1: Yeah. It's it. yeah. That's an interesting take on Denny. Like he, I think you're right. He's trying to do it from what he sees as like duty I think to his family and he's shouldering so much of an older sibling responsibility and yeah there's a I'm really interested to hear what like a, a Korean or what an Asian person's take on this film would be in terms of those fa- family dynamics that exist and like the cultural mm-hmm. dynamics that exist and like obviously Stephen was you told me that he had a background with that like worship
0: yeah he was he was brought up in uh, quite a strictly like evangelical korean christian household yeah
1: so i yeah i'm i'm very curious as to how his family is taking this role
0: (laughs) i mean yeah it is quite a it is it is quite a, a rebuke of that um whole thing because even when he embraces or embraces I don't know if I put that in quotes or not that lifestyle like he's still angling for a way to get ahead at Mm -hmm. all times like he's not but it's interesting in that because then is Edwin is the the guy from the church right yeah where, like, when you look at it from the outside, Edwin has, like, his life together. He's got the wife. He's got, like, all this, you know, he's got the wife and the the home and all these kind of things. And Danny lives in this shitty apartment with his brother. And, like, you know, their parents are back in Korea. And they're trying to bring them over and blah, 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 blah. And it looks, you know, from the outset that Edwin has this, like, perfect life. And it turns out that Edwin's, like, jealous of Danny. In, like, yeah. in, in in a way that, like, I wouldn't have seen coming when we're, when we're first introduced to Edwin um wouldn't have wouldn't have expected that and I think that is a really interesting thing like how the show kind of deals with markers of maybe not success because I don't think you can say that Danny's all that successful but you know with how it deals with aspiration and things like that and and what it is that people value
1: or even just competition right like for Danny especially everything is a competition and even he even asks Amy like How do I get to where you are? And her response is so sad. It's just like you you work hard and you give everything. And essentially what she says is like, it takes everything from you. Like she feels empty. She says everything just fades away. And it's this bizarre self-inflicted competition they have to be the best, which is why I would be really curious to talk to someone of of that cultural background to see if that is a quality that is like ingrained in, you know, like first and second generation immigrant households, or if that is that coming from like the Christian side of what like Danny had been to that church before their family did go like Amy's distant relationship with her parents contrasted with George's very like at times I was like incestuous question mark relationship with his mother. Like, I
0: don't know if it's like maybe not incestuous but it's very like Freud, Freud could talk a lot about that one.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was uncomfortable. But then you also get this confession from Fumi to Amy that she thinks George is a shit artist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who, out of everyone in this show, it felt like at the end, the only genuine people because of this whole situation were Danny and Amy. Mm -hmm. like they were being genuine to their true terrible selves and like unabashedly exposing it to the world and letting it destroy them but in the end question freeing them Mm -hmm.
0: well i think i think so i think so when it turns out that george has filed that protection order so that amy can't see her kid um that like not that she doesn't want to be a mother because she does want to be a mother i think that's the only role that she has in her life that like she values in any real way um and understands yeah. like the the impact of that role um so when george files that mm-hmm. order of protection so she can't see her kid um i think that she realizes that like that's what that's when she figures out that all of the things that she's done and all of the stuff that she has sacrificed and whatever is for nothing. If she doesn't have that like connection yeah. and she doesn't really want that connection with George. Cause he fucking sucks. And she, Like we haven't talked about it yet, but like, she masturbates with a gun at the very <laughs> beginning of the show. And he has changed. Um, he has changed, uh, the combination the on straight. the safe or whatever the passport yeah. on the safe so that she can't uh get in um to it so that she can't masturbate with the gun but there's something about that that like that visual and that concept that like right from the beginning well, i think beginning, it's more we see her yeah, like exactly. she's i don't know how to say she's unhinged but like there's something about that the fact that that is what gets her off and not like her husband who like by all accounts, is like a conventionally attractive, you know, whatever, whatever. She was at one point in time attractive. Wet to him.
1: noodle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, but you know what I mean, right? Like she doesn't have that yeah. for him anymore. The thing that gets her off is this gun, and like you have to kind of think that like she kind of already knows that her life is falling apart. Yeah. In that respect, and she's not able to hold it together. And I just think that that little visual at the very beginning is just like it's fascinating. Because it shows us this, this woman who's like, supposedly all put together, whatever, whatever. And then she knows, like, she knows that she's that something's not right, or whatever. And it just her life just spirals out of control, sort of because of it.
1: Yeah, I think I just want to add that I don't think George locks it away because she was masturbating with it. Because in the last episode, the crows talked to each other about how this bitch pointed a gun at them one time. (laughs) I think there were a few few incidents (laughs) with the gun and with the rage that came out. Sorry, I'm just going to turn on my light. That came out. I
0: also... I also thought too, though, that, interesting, that he changed the combat or the passcode or whatever doesn't tell her what it is. So in the event that like something happens and she needs to access this firearm, she can't because she doesn't know the passcode, right? Like she doesn't have yeah. the ability to get this thing and only George has access to it. And there's something about that that's like sinister in and of itself that like, this thing that's ostensibly there to protect them. If she's home by herself, it can't protect her because she can't access it.
1: Yeah. He's choosing to leave her in that position. And there are a number of times when she's in a position where she could use that gun in this show to protect Mm -hmm. herself for sure. But then again, who's the one who uses it in the end? George. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like there's so, honestly, there's going to be so many good undergraduate papers written about this (laughs) show in the next five years. And I would just love to read them all. There's going to be like in gender studies classes, there's going to be so much discourse about female rage and male rage. Oh my God god mm-hmm. what is time mm-hmm. to be alive to experience art like this well and what I really liked about it
0: at the end is that like when they got when they got poisoned and had their like weird like trip in the forest there so uh, and, they're both, like, <laughs> and they're both like hurt and you know like kind of immobile and all the and, and they're As much as they've been spending the last like nine months trying to kill each other, like they're the only person who the other person has for support at that point in time. And it like strips away both of their masks. And you see these like fragile, broken people Mm -hmm. just opening up and burying their souls to somebody who, you know, for the last nine episodes of this show, they've been like, it has been their mortal enemy. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's this, like, this catharsis for both of them. And as they're going through the tunnel, and when George comes and, and shoots Danny, like, she's not going back to her husband. She's actively made that no. choice that she she's done with that. And then George shoots Danny, and then we, you know, fast forward to the hospital, basically. And they're there and she's just sitting like it's a vigil by his bedside mm-hmm. because they're the only, like I t- was talking about it with someone at work who watched it. And he said, it sort of reminds me of like when you see in movies or whatever, when a child dies and those parents are the only two people who like know what that feels like as intimately mm-hmm. as that other person. And this is, that's the same thing there is you've got these two people that like know pretty well what the other person has been through and is going through and they have this catharsis in the, in the woods and whatever and it's very clear that like when you strip away all of the things that have made them who they are outwardly they need each other
1: they do and it's it's very interesting like the the almost like equilateral symbolism that's happening because they each physically harm each other after the vehicles go off the cliff like he pushes her and who knows does what to her ankle and then she straight up like breaks his arm <laughs> which was like one of the craziest things i've seen other than maria Bello getting fucking caterpillared in that door <laughs> <Jeez>
0: <laughs> Christ.
1: but then they they both got these physical hurts and then they both eat the berries and go on this crazy, poisonous high trip. And they've been emotionally and psychologically harming each other this whole time. And it's just this like, this beautiful moment of them being concerned for each other when she's like, Danny, you need to throw up again. Like, I threw up again. I feel so much better now. You need to throw up. And he's like, No, 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 no. Follows her advice. He throws up. He's like, Oh, it feels better. And then the next day they get up and they walk. And he's so kind to her. He's like, No, no, no. We need to take a break again. We need to take a break again. You can't walk anymore. And it's like they're different people from when they went off the cliff. Like, Mm -hmm. how they are, like, physicality, although they're, Terribly injured. Their closeness to each other is not something we've seen with them with anyone else. Like even with her husband, she's very stiff mm-hmm. and closed off. I think the only person she isn't with that is Junie, even <laughs> though she fucking throws/slash drops Junie onto the ground once. Yeah, <laughs> which was <laughs> Um, And they're just, yeah, you just see their physicality change after all these physical and emotional harms that they've done to each other. And it's almost as if they're blank slates at that point. Like they've Mm -hmm. been baptized by the California desert and their own sins. And they're like emerging free from them. It's crazy.
0: It is. And I, I was, it's funny too, because I was thinking, as you said, like she doesn't have that closeness with her husband, but at that party when Danny shows up, when he like, whatever, I can't remember his, what they call him. Um, Zane. Right. When he's, when he shows up as Zane and she recognizes him right away and they have that little like whisper fight. Um, that is like, other than when she sleeps with uh, Danny's brother, that's like the most like intimate connection she has with anybody and it's them like it's that like enemies to lovers trope just like and you know right then and there that it's going to end not necessarily with them like together uh although the ending sort of suggests that is what maybe will happen but it's going to end with them not as enemies anymore ultimately and you can see it and they just have this like physical connection uh and she gets right in his face and he's right in hers and they're just like whisper yelling like all the like all you'd have to do is like okay now kiss right and like it would have wouldn't have been it would have felt out of place but it wouldn't have been unexpected
1: yes totally and I think the (laughs) like all the props in the world to Stephen and oh my god Allie because their chemistry as scene partners is like oh my god out of this world and I think they are both so underrated especially Amy who I don't think has done a ton of straight up like acting right it's just no like
0: no like Steven Young's been nominated for an Oscar
1: yes like he's he's legit he's been in stuff he's Glenn from The Walking Dead we know we love we adore but like Amy, I would say, in terms of like a breakout performance, I thought she was absolutely incredible. And for her to have like palpable chemistry in these scenes with this guy who's driving her insane. And yet when her and her husband are doing these intimacy exercises for 30 minutes, where they palm to palm stare at each other's faces... And it's like nothing. Mm There is no energy. There are no wavelengths going on between these two people. And she just brings it. She brings it every single, every single second of the show. I was so impressed.
0: Yeah, she was, um, yeah, she was phenomenal. And, And just all of like... I've seen Ali Wong's stand-up too. And I, like, she's very smart mm-hmm. and she's very, uh, she's very successful. And like, there's a clip of her in her, one of her specials where she's like, Do you know how much more successful I'd be if I had a wife. Um, and she yes. brought that energy to this role. Um, mm-hmm. In but a that way
1: that like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected. Like... Yeah. I think that her stand-up though, feels very much like a character. Like, when you see her in interviews, she's not her stand-up, right? She's, like, a very, very different vibe. And, yeah, it was just, it was was so interesting to see her in these scenarios. But, yes, you definitely see that same, I think, a lot of her humor comes from a place of anchor in her Mm stand-up. As, like, you know, gender criticism and all sorts of different kind of social issues that she brings out in there but Mm -hmm. god
0: and like the thing is I mean we could talk about Isaac if we wanted to but basically we don't have to just watch the show it's really really good I do think the ending I thought the ending was like really beautiful in a lot of ways because like for all of the stuff that went on in the show like Danny trying to burn her car uh, and then realize it doesn't because Junie's inside and he like kind of freaks out at like how far he's willing to go because of this road rage thing, which I think that's the point at which he realizes it's not just the road rage anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's more to it than just that. Um, But all of these like things happen and he frames his cousin for this. And he's the reason that his parents' house burns down, like all this kind of stuff. And then with Amy, like she finds out that her husband's, didn't have uh, a sexual affair, but like definitely had an emotional affair. Um, and she's devastated. Which
1: to her is like first. Yeah.
0: Cause like she cheated on George uh, and then she kicked him out. Like, you mm. know, when it when he was trying to ask something of her or whatever. And like, it just all of these things. And then at the very end you have her basically keeping a vigil by Danny's hospital bed and she needs physical contact without any kind of like expectation so badly yeah. that she crawls in into his hospital bed. And at the very end on this beautiful crane shot where you see his arm just kind of like come up around her back. And then that's the end of the show. And I mm-hmm. think that was like, it, w- it was nice that there was nothing more than that. It's nice that that's where it ended. If nothing comes out of this again and they don't make another, like we don't hear about it anymore. We don't need any more than that.
1: No, perfect. Ten and ten,
0: yeah, it was it was, yeah, it was beautiful. i I thought it was great. And like, yeah, it was really it was really well done and not at all what the trailer led me to think that it was going to be.
1: Oh, totally. But I also didn't like in speaking about the ending, I think other movies fall into this trap. and I'll say it about Creed three, too. Is that they give us actually too much at the end. Like, I think what would cheapen this movie or this series and make it more mainstream was if we got little vignettes of what, you know, does Isaac go to jail? Does Paul go to business school? You know, what are, what's George doing? Does Fumi do any, Like, none of that actually matters to what the core of this show is and what it's supposed to be which is these two individuals and what they've gone through internally even if those internal you know choices Mm -hmm. or whatever had consequences externally like I thought it was straight up A-R-T Mm art
0: yeah it was it was magnificent and like it, all it had i mean netflix like honestly the netflix originals in terms of like production value are pretty high um and mm-hmm. this is the same thing like this could have been it could have been given like a very different treatment and no it was like it's beautifully shot and beautifully like composed and the music the music was fucking phenomenal um Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that went with it like it was just yeah it was it was a piece of art and it was I don't know I don't know if the best way to consume it would have been to do it a little bit at a time because I just did it all at once and could not stop um and it was so good
1: yeah I highly recommend I think that like in terms of other things Netflix has done this is obviously so incredibly different but I think that's because it's coming With the A24 banner and all the different productions that they do very much fit into this mold of dark, unexpected, like really pushing the boundaries of what is comfortable for a viewer to see and what is easy for a viewer to see. And Mm -hmm. I actually thought that it was really a breath of fresh for Netflix to have this on their platform considering all the missteps they've made lately. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree. It was um yeah, it was it was good and I think everyone should watch it. Uh you might not like it all as much as we did, but like I think it's I think it's worth watching. And it, up until yesterday or the day uh before um it still had 100% of our Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's now down to 98%, which is very sad.
1: Very sad, but, you know, oh, it's just the way the world works, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's still universal critical acclaim, is it not? I would I would yeah.
0: think so. I would think so. Yeah, and it, I mean, it held on to that 100% for, you know, two weeks or whatever weeks. after it. Yeah. After it came out, which means that, like, there are people who, you know, because um, I think it came out on, I want to say it came out on the 8th of April, maybe. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. And so it held on to that, to that 100% until more people obviously got to watch it and whatever. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was very, very good. Um, yeah.
1: Here's the thing, though. I don't think I could ever watch it again.
0: I think I could watch it again in a couple years like I this is not something because you're you're, they're all just so objectively bad that like I couldn't Mm -hmm. immerse myself back in that right away but I think I could probably watch it again at some point in time
1: yeah I think yeah uh you need you need (laughs) it you need a long long stretch of time between first viewing and second viewing, I think to Mm -hmm. not only digest but allow yourself space between what you've just seen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I would say again, six out of five, great. Great stuff.
1: Six out of five. Great stuff. Great stuff. Are we ready for it, Megan?
0: Um I yeah, sure. Good lord. I wrote so many things down. Um okay well, as you know, this is a uh, Last Kingdom uh, fan uh, podcast. Fan guest? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what we've done. And obviously last uh, last year, I remember, it, I don't know if anyone recalls, took a good day off work so I could watch season five of that show. And it like emotionally destroyed me because season five was so fucking bleak. Um, yeah. And then we found out very shortly afterwards that they had decided to... Uh, do a movie to kind of wrap things up which is interesting because when they first started production on the show there were 10 books out and they kind of had a five season arc planned out that each season was going to have you know two books whatever and that's more or less what they did there was some stuff in the end of season five that came out of the 11th book but you know whatever it's not a big deal so they did have a plan and so then once the season season five ended they decided okay well we're gonna kind of wrap this story up with a film the ending of the 13th book which is the last book in the series is different than what than the sort of ambiguity uh of the ending of this film there are some things that are like significantly different um but i think they did a really great job putting it back into the universe back into the world back with the characters and giving sort of that fan service Mm -hmm. that's necessary to close everything out
1: yeah I haven't read the books, but I remember thinking and writing multiple times God, this would have been great as a full season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes. it was brisk, this mm-hmm. film. So much happens in the first 10 minutes. It's nuts. And it is really at times hard to watch because there's a lot of awful stuff happening to a lot of people that you really love (laughs) but I thought that overall I appreciated the ending well I'm sure we'll talk about it for approximately 77 minutes but (laughs) the ending scene Was so powerful. And I think you're right. Like there's a lot of layers here that aren't just a story, but are hitting a lot of fan service stuff, which is something that they have been, I think, super respectful of in terms of dealing with this shows particularly. Uh, And knowing that it's got such a powerful fan base and like being really respectful of that. But as a movie, Mm -hmm. oof not not a great movie as a standalone I would say
0: no my friend Kristen said the very same thing she's like if this was someone's entry into this you would never watch any of the rest of it and I'm like no because it's
1: this is not like the Dungeons
0: and Dragons movie where it's like it'll work for both you have to have a pretty intimate knowledge of what has come before in order to Mm -hmm make sense of this
1: absolutely there are so many moments in here where chris would like kind of walk in and out of the room and he walked in and out of like i've watched last kingdom a number of times and he's kind of seeing bits and pieces of it um but he just like looked lost looked <laughs> really lost and it was it's a lot to take in. And like
0: mm-hmm.
1: didn't have the same tone as the last season did that we talked about as being extremely bleak. But there's a lot of abominable shit that happened in this movie where I was like holy fuck. Like they they really held nothing back in terms of the violence and the gore on this season or on this season in this movie. Mm-hmm. That I was like quite shocked about. And more than once, they really, really played with you as to having no idea what the fate of these well loved characters were. Like, mm-hmm. two examples A Finnin, or not sorry, Finnin, Utrid gets banished, captured and banished, right? He ends up with the Danes. All of this doesn't really matter. We know nothing about where Finn and and Citric are. Mm -hmm. Nothing. What happened to them? Did they kill them? They might have. Because guess what? They just killed fucking Aldhelm. We watched it. We watched it happen. One of the characters who I think has one of the most compelling villain to hero stories and he is brutally taken from us and yet not even 10 minutes later they leave the fates of these major characters unknown and then also Peerling falling in the final battle getting potentially crushed to death they repeatedly show him trying to crawl out beneath these feet and bodies, and I was like, I wrote a number of notes. It's like mm-hmm. you never think of the crushing aspect of it. <laughs> like you think of you think of the arrows and the stabbings and the beheadings, and afterwards the the disease and you know the amputations mm-hmm. and all the ways that at this time you could have died because of battle and after battle but you don't think about being crushed by your own people
0: no you sure don't
1: disappear but then just like standing there in a field at the end and you're like what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. is it was crazy the way they played with your emotions in this film i thought so i felt like i was on this like insane roller coaster
0: the only reason I wasn't concerned about Finnan and Citrick was because Finnan did the opening narration, and the way that it was yes. framed was. But you're yes. right; without that, uh, it would have been tragic. But like because of the way that the opening narration framed it, Finnan is talking, and uh and so you all, knew
1: for sure Uhtred's dead. yes.
0: Well, not necessarily that he's dead, but that Finn makes it through the story. Oh. Like the, I was, yes. so so oh, I wasn't worried about. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I wasn't, I w- in the, in that way, when they, like, didn't show us what happened to them, I wasn't as overly concerned, because I was like, well, Finnan did the narration, so he's gonna come back, like, he's not, he's fine, right, like, the stakes for him, I thought, were actually quite low, um, he had some terrible things happen to him in this, um, Which was just oh so tragic. Um, but I knew in that respect that like they would be okay ultimately, because they're kind of like a weird duo and like nothing happens to one that doesn't happen to the other. So I figured they'd both be fine. Um but the part with the thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that it was framed and filmed and like the story was told very much like we were watching the chronicle of it rather than yes. watching the thing actually happen and I thought that was really interesting because like you know the first time that like Stone's advisor Engelmunder by the way was the worst fucking name known to mankind. <laughs> um anyway so yes uh so I, I said here in my notes I was like um something 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 older Citrix seems less impetuous is one thing that I said which is true like he's a lot like settled in in a lot of ways uh, and then it was like how do they yeah. never get themselves into truly bad jams because it's true everything it's like oh well nevertheless they like, get out alive um but then there's you know you know right away that the advisor's bad news I don't know what it is but there's something smarmy about him and you just kind of know that he's bad news oh I know
1: he... wh- what I'll tell you I'll tell you yeah my note says who is this bitch ass ordering peer league around <laughs> That's how I knew.
0: Um, and then, I was like, you you're know, not then... going to
1: give respect to warrior and religious man Peerleg? Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. Which is why I knew something was fishy about him. Because if he was truly, you know, in league with <laughs> Ethelstan completely, then the religious should... aspect of things, he absolutely would have given Peerleg the respect that he should have um so i was like "Mm, something i didn't expect for him to be a dane but i was like "Mm, something's fishy about him um i didn't know what it was but then the plot twist of ethelstan being gay i was like holy shit um the first thing that i thought though was uh would have been very disappointed (laughs) that her grandson was gay Um, for all of the work that she did to make sure that her family maintained that like you know their seat on the throne and that that bloodline continued she'd have been real fucking mad about that
1: oh my god I didn't even think about that she would have been so pissed but again I was just like here's the ultimate dad Uhtred being like I don't care nobody Mm -hmm. cares Mm -hmm. this situation this entanglement you're in Should not cause harm. To people. It's insane. How much he was invested. In this relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My question for you. Because you've read it. But I don't know how. Helpful the books are going to be. At this point. It's just like. Last season. Uhtred pretty much raised Ethelstan,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like. One of the responsibilities, and I'd say, like, punishments of his, like, you know, somewhat banishment to the outreaches of, uh, what was it again? What town were they in? Bedford? No, 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 no. No. The town from, (sighs) it's going to bug me. Anyway, where he was pretty much acting lord right? When they they hadn't seized Bemberg yet. And like one of his duties was raising Ethelstan to be a fighter, right? Mm -hmm. Like being Mm -hmm. a I want to say mercenary pretty much and protecting him and keeping him safe and like teaching him the way of the soldier and all these things. And Ethelstan at that point seemed like, you know, another son to Mm utra
0: big time
1: i was like how much time has passed between that season and now because ethelstan just threw all of that out the window like he sure he you know wanted to take the religious education and be faithful to his you know, to Alfred and what he stood for, yada, 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 all that shit. But to throw pretty much everything that Utra stood for and trained him in and t- him away to get to this point where he's just brutally killing innocents, women, children, civilians, mm-hmm. burning mm-hmm. them alive. Like, it was really really dark is there anything in the books about like what brought ethelstan to that point well
0: yes and no it's spread out over more time too right because there's three books still to come so like the way so the stuff with like Anlaf showing up isn't until the last book so like the majority of the fighting is actually like out of book 13 i think book 12 if i remember correctly is like been a while since i've read that one that's for sure um book 12 i think is like um is when edward dies so i most of book 11 i think is skipped or I, um yeah i think most of book 11 there's a little bit because i think in book 11 sing trigger's still alive and Stuor has been killed mm-hmm. instead of what happened in the show yeah. um and so he has to like avenge her and all this kind of stuff and itcher and helps him so this is mostly books uh 12 and 13 uh so edward dies near the end of or near the beginning of, the second book. And then his widow obviously um, sends for help from Uhtred. uh, But Edmund in the book is like an infant. Oh, so like there's the books, there's way more time has passed um, in the books than in the show. And I think that that's probably significant. uh, So they've kind of, you know, mashed some stuff up, which is fine. Um, And then um, and like Ethelhelm is still alive in the 12th book, he doesn't die. Um, and so they, um, Ethelstan kills his brother, and then Utrid is married again for like the 19th time, and his wife and son in law and grandchildren are all dead in a plague. And then in the very last book, he basically oh is the reason that like England comes together ultimately. Um, yeah, which is what they say. Yeah, so there's still like, like so, so like Anlaf still comes and joins up with like, um, uh, like Constantine and and Scotland and and and, and, and all of those they invade Cumbria and they challenge Ethelstan to a battle, um, and then just before the battle though, instead of Uhtred like standing on the precipice of death, um, Ethelstan orders him to marry uh, somebody uh, who's she's rich and rather young so that he's got his own man like guarding the north the northern border um and then the book is called uh lord of the north and that's what people or warlord sorry and that's what people start calling him is the lord of the north and he's like the person in charge so the okay. film i think the ending of the film with Uhtred standing on that sort of precipice i think makes more sense to end it um Mm -hmm. the book we don't need any more than that but no ethelstan if i remember right he doesn't have like the turn for him i think it doesn't happen quite so quickly i think it happens over like a longer period of time that he sort of becomes this like power hungry person gotcha to the point that but but i mean ultimately utrid does stay loyal to him
1: yes but even at times throughout the film he kept saying like this isn't ethelstan i was like utrid When people show you who you are, who -hmm. they are, you believe them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was going all like white girl therapy on his ass. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, it was just, that was hard to, that was hard to digest because of the brisk pace. It's just like figuring out what the fuck, why had, and I think there's a, there's a number of things that were missing from this film, which would have made it a more enjoyable watch, which was more of Ethelstan's background of like why he got to this point. And then, even I had a number of notes where I said, like, would have liked a longer scene here where the merry men talk about mm-hmm. where they're coming from, why they're going to help Ethelstan, why it's important that they're the ones that are going to turn the tide of this situation like there there needed to be more of that and not just dialogue but a a character's understanding of what they were doing and why they were doing it and like a communication of that to the audience I think would have been super super helpful in just keeping all of that clear.
0: Yeah, I think I think so too, and I think the other thing that it was missing was like it was so stupid. So I mean, like we know I'm nitpicky about certain things. The thing that made me annoyed again was when he lost his sword, um, uh. which and then got it back and whatever. But I was like, I get why it's important, but like all he needed to do in season one was just have that little like that little explanation of the the custom of the naming of the sword. Like, it didn't have to be a big thing, but in the book, like, and in all of the books, him having serpent breath, like, that's the name of the sword. Like, that is so significant, and it made me so angry. Um, Because then at the end, as we know, when when, when you die, if you don't die with your sword in your hand, you don't get to go to Valhalla. So, like, as he's laying there on the battlefield, he reaches for it just in case... And, like, I get it. And, yes, it's his sword. So I'm glad he got it back and, like, all of those things. But, like, it would have just been so much better had yeah. there been that that little bit of, like, this is why it matters.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even just have, yeah, have that conversation in season one. But also, anytime he's called Daneslayer by any of the Danes, have them say Daneslayer and Serpent's Breath. You know, mm-hmm. like mention the sword mm-hmm. in the context of him being the Daneslayer would have been great. However, the one laugh I did get in this film is when Finnan brings him another sword and says, "You can name it Manslayer, Ball Taker, Utrid Sword of Utrid." <laughs> I
0: thought that was very funny. It was that was very much like, um, uh, was it season four? I think, or maybe it was season five, where Finnan's just basically like don't say that friendship is the the victory or whatever it was that he said. Where this is just like, no, no. It was the very same thing. And that was basically the only thing that made me juggled until somebody mentioned our slings again. And I was like, ah, yes. Good old Lea yeah.
1: Um Well, he told all the soldiers that on the battlefield, yeah. like that was their, that was their <laughs> battle cry, was we are all our slings.
0: Um, but yeah, so like that part... I just I just wish that they had done more with that. And not that it was like a huge thing, but just knowing how important it is because um at the end when he's looking into Valhalla and seeing everybody in the hall, did you notice, of course, who wasn't there? And he worked sure so fucking hard to get Ragnar there. Yep. And like so to, to not have the significance of that tradition like truly explained, I think does a disservice in that respect. Yeah,
1: I think so. Like to yeah, to his character and to like what they tried to establish as the motivation for him doing all those buckwild things not only to, you know, allow young Ragnar to take his place in the halls of Valhalla but also to justify all the actions that Uther took to get there but how heartbreaking was it to not see Ragnar there oh my god Mm -hmm. oh my god I couldn't believe it but I did I did sort of weirdly love the idea of all these people who at times were well I guess not Ragnar Sr., but were enemies of Utrid, just like welcoming welcoming him into the halls. But to have him as the end scene, like stuck between the two worlds, not mm-hmm. going either way, going back to his hall in Bebbenhurtburg, staring out the window to the future, not crossing over to the halls of Valhalla. Like how Gorgeous was that. That was when I started (laughs) sobbing.
0: Oh, I was no. Do you know what caught me? It was right before that in in that scene where you know, like I because I thought he was dead at that point in time. But then you know he's well enough, Mm -hmm. and he comes out. And then whatever whatever it is that he says, and then when he actually inside the show instead of in the credits says destiny is all, I I lost it. Yeah, because yeah, for everything that he's done and everything that he's been through and all of the people that he has loved and lost and protected and whatever, he still very firmly believes that everything that has happened to him was meant to happen.
1: Yeah. And him, it's, it's a beautiful sort of freeing notion of like, I did what I could, even though I was, you know, going to be here all along. Like, I worked as hard as I could. I did the best that I could. And, like, this is my reward, right? Like, it's a very, in contrast to all the, I think, pretty negative, rightly, d- depictions of Christianity in this show. The, like, Utrud's spirituality, I think, is quite, quite lovely in terms of how it encompasses his, like, character arc in the story, for sure. Mm-hmm. But how good would it have been as a full season?
0: <laughs> oh, it would have even, maybe not even a full season, maybe, like, a four-episode, like, mini, you know, like, just enough to give us a little bit more with some of that. It's interesting you say that about Faith, because um, one of the things that I've always really liked about this particular series, like, obviously, su- season one, we didn't get it, but as soon as Finnan is introduced... Um, he's very, very faithful. And mm-hmm. he is a firm believer in what he believes in, but it is never preachy and it's never like overly pious. It's just that yeah. is who he is at his core. And there are points in time in this and in season five and in season four where his faith is the thing that like gets all of them through. Yeah. And Uhtred, for all of his, like, <laughs> disgust for the Christian church, which I think, like, how much he hates it is just so funny to me. Because, like, two of his very best friends are priests, and his son is a priest. Like, there's all of these things. And, like, and, and you know, Finnan. like, sir, his
1: father was a priest.
0: <laughs> yes. And, right? And, like, and his, you know, and then Finnan is just, like, the most faithful person that he knows and all of these things. But Uhtred tolerates this theology that he doesn't necessarily believe in because the people that he loves it's important to them Mm -hmm. and I but I find that that like with Finan's faith I think it's always really interesting how pronounced it is and yet how like not preachy it is because he doesn't he doesn't try and get anyone to believe he just like lives the way that he lives and so like that's that bit after they discover all of the bodies and his and his wife is dead that was um, like a beautiful beautiful like callback to when Biaka died i thought and how mm-hmm. finnan was there for utrid and then it was like a nice switch and i enjoy that as they were writing the script and like deciding what to keep that those are some of the things that they kept to like mm-hmm. complete the story as it were
1: Yeah, because throughout this series, there's not a ton of moments where Utrid is supporting the merry men. Right. Like at times he in more physical ways can like come to the rescue sort of thing. But a lot of the time they follow Utrid with this blind faithfulness that I think for for Vinnon, you're right, is like capital F and then also lowercase F in terms of his devotion to Utrid. And it was nice to see that flipped for him to support mm-hmm. them in that scenario. And again, I think what's really interesting about this season is he has Bebenberg Season. I keep saying season, for fuck's sakes. Should have been a season. He he has Bebenberg, right? Like, in terms of reclaiming his destiny, his... His main goal was completed. His goal was never to unite England. But he was a tool in that overarching destiny, if you if you will. Which made his devotion to the other people in his lives, I think, a more interesting take for his character. Because, like, he mm-hmm. had it. Although I did miss Young Nutrid and siora too i wish they could have been in the movie although i don't know what yeah role they really played they're just such great young actors do you know who i wish
0: really would have been there was Hild? i but i've there were a couple moments where things happened and i was
1: like oh my like, god it wasn't Hild. was she in rome with young utra
0: potentially yeah so she's not so she wasn't it and i just like that was the thing i wish that she would have been there's a couple points in time where i was like mm, it would have been a good time for him to be there basically um yeah. not because i mean because they're the, the two of them are just such great friends but also she had been through all of these things and at the end of season five mm-hmm. of course she's bringing his son to badminton and all of these and all this stuff i feel like if i mean i understand sort of i guess why they didn't have like Elswift there. She probably is dead. Edith, who knows what happened to her. Um, but I do think, I do wish that Hild had been there because of the way that she had been kind of part of their band of merry men for a while. Um, that it just, not as like, not to bring her in as like sort of like this, you know, to rescue someone or whatever. But like, I just wish that she had been there um, because I think she earned it,
1: you know? Yes, totally. Totally, but also she, in terms of like the, what I was saying of like the scenes that were missing, those like conversations that should have happened for, understand what the characters need and want and why they're doing what they're doing, a lot of the times those happen with Bayoka and those happen with Hild, those happen with, what's her nuts who died, um, oh my God, what's her nuts Ethel, Ethel Flood. Ethel fled, thank you. Like those those confidants that he had in his life beyond Finn and Citric, who you know are definitely trusted advisors, but I don't think they're like as emotionally in tune to Utred in that intimate way that Bayaka and Hill and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I already forgot her name. Ethel, Ethel Fledworth.
0: Fled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, obviously, like, with uh, Bianca and Ethel Fled having died, like, Hild would have been the obvious choice to bring back for yeah. that reason. Um, one of the things I think would have been really interesting, too, would have been, had Hild been there at the end um, when Utrid uh, Makes Ethelstan promise that he'll never marry, and then that he'll mm-hmm. uh, accede the throne to his brother. Um, I thought that was beautiful. Like there's just something about that that I, I mean, because obviously, obviously, you know, no one else knows why, and that's fine. Um, but this way, it it forces it sort of gives Ethelstan an out, which maybe he didn't deserve. Um, yeah, to you know, to to be the king and then to have an out for why he's not going to get married ultimately. Um, But I feel like having someone like Hilde there in that, that would have, you know, she would have, she would have known and she would have understood. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think him having that, that person who can like, I don't know, not necessarily like hold the secret, but maybe be a reminder right? To be like, remember mm-hmm. the promise that you made, kind of thing, to Lachlistan once Uhtred has died, I think would have been a useful sort of thing.
1: Right. From somebody that's not purely right, like I think it, you're totally right, that Hild could definitely have been that sort of link between the two, mm-hmm. two groups. Um, I already God, yeah. Just like I'm already like, do I just rewatch the whole series from the start? Um, the
0: answer to that is always yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so some God, we've been recording for so long, but some of the things that I just wanted to shout out from my notes were Uju's uh, uh, hair is garbage. Citrix hair is garbage. <laughs> Finnan's beard had 12 Talk out of 10. And by Edward, which I said multiple times in my notes, even after he was dead. Yeah. Uh, loved the uh, jibes of like comfortable, fat, and lazy, not a warlord anymore, mm-hmm. Uhtred. Um Loved, why was Finnan in so much huge armor?
0: I don't know, but it was amazing. <laughs>
1: It was hysterical (laughs) and uh, like falling asleep, standing up, and snoring, standing up like those were such nice little character jabs. Yeah, Um, it's funny you
0: say that about Edward. I said, Edward dying is a good thing, and then later on, Edward sucks even in death.
1: Yes, 100%. (laughs) I said, How many kilometers has Uchard put on in this film? Yeesh. Um, And then I had just a a number of just exclamations about the battle, including war as hell, which I think I do every single time. Love seeing Mm -hmm. the Uhtred power kick. Do you know what I mean when I say the Uhtred power kick? Yes. Love that. That's one of my, he just kicks people in the chest. And it's just the most incredible move. It's and just it's, it's like one to
0: nice in three hundred, right? It's just like kicking the yes. guy into the open pit except there's no open pit. It's just straight into the ground.
1: <laughs> and it's sexy, okay. It's got sexy energy to it, 100%. as does when he takes his sword swings left and flicks his wrist right. Oh my God, <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, um, yeah. other than that, yeah, just the fucking halls of Val- Valhalla. Are you fucking kidding me? Crying the color sy- symbolism, Ragnar, my heart, cry number three, a good one. How good would this have been as a full season? Am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay, so my thoughts I like, I agree with everything that you said. One of the things that I thought was like really, really amazing actually was Uhtred having the opportunity to watch one of his sons lead in battle because like that's something that he had wanted for so long and the fact that he got the Mm -hmm. we got the payoff for that as well um was actually really cool like I was there I thought that was really really neat that he got to see that before he died ultimately um I really did love that he did grab his sword as he was laying there like just in case and my comment there was like he deserves peace like at this point in time he deserves Mm -hmm. to not be like stuck basically um
1: especially because he's sorry go ahead
0: no go no go ahead this is me moving on
1: well I was gonna say like because for him to get to that point like there's so many we could probably do a compilation cut on YouTube I'm sure they exist of all the times like he's just fighting his way through a a swath of people to get to somebody else to save them and he's trying to do that for Ethelstan. like he's always sacrificing his own safety Mm -hmm. and he's older and he's slower and he's like he's taking all these really fatal hits to try to save Ethelstan, who at that point does not deserve to be saved, nope. I think we will agree. But it's always this like in service to something else, which is so beautiful. It's like, yeah, he should grab his sword because he does deserve peace. you are absolutely right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've made my note about like Elswith being horrified that her grandson is gay. <laughs> my next note was, where is Elswith? <laughs> she could have done some stabbing here.
1: <laughs> oh 100% she would have loved it too um she turned also, into such a there? nasty stabbing bitch
0: gosh she was great oh the thing that made me laugh more than Finn in trying to be funny was the scene where they saw the the aurora like the northern lights and I was like my note is there's no fucking way they're that color to the naked eye which is true because they're never that bright and I just thought it was very funny because uh, like Like, if you're going to do it, do it right, you know? Like, they're not, you don't get that, you just don't. Like, they're not that vivid. You can see them quite brightly, but they're not that vivid, and I just thought it was funny. Um, What else? The number of times that I said that Engelmunder was the dumbest name imaginable is, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. too many. Um, And also, when we first meet Anlaf, uh, my... (laughs) question is who the fuck is this pasty motherfucker um and then because he is and he just looks like a bargain like a bargain basement villain uh ultimately which was kind of annoying um the thing that I liked one of the things I liked more than anything um is that like I said before it felt like we were seeing like the vert seeing the chronicle rather than things as they happen and I liked that framing because we get this idea that Uhtred and how Finan's narration ends at the end where he's like, we don't know if he died there. Like Finan Mm -hmm. fucking knows, of course he knows, but we don't know if he died at this point in time, but like he's known as the greatest warrior of all time and all this kind of stuff. And I just really liked this sort of like this, this rewriting of history that I think would have made Uhtred furious because of all of the times that he was like, like all of the times that that, yeah. that they were just like this pagan and this, like all the, you know, and he's, his, his loyalty to Alfred and to Edward and to whomever is called into question. And then he gets the throne of Mercia and he immediately gives it up. Like all of these things and everyone calls every single decision he ever makes into question. And yet the Chronicle tells it like he's just this most heroic figure. And I feel like he would have been furious about that. And I kind of think that that's very fitting. Like in a way, it almost feels like, one last like prank from finnan to sort of mm. wrap the story up and i kind of like that
1: yeah but also it's a nice full circle moment too I have how alfred was like i'm gonna you're, you're gonna be struck from all the records no one will ever know your name and everything mm-hmm. you do is futile useless because i'll make sure that no one knows it right and then to have mm-hmm. him yeah, Ethelstan, be like, I'm reinserting you. I'm gonna try to make sure that your name is known and yada yada yada. And that's, I mean, full circle for Uhtred, but also a little bit full circle for Ethelstan too. To be like, okay, I've made some major mistakes here, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I need to give credit where credit is due. But apparently not, because we don't fucking know if he actually died there. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. like someone didn't mm-hmm. do their full duty. the staff. Hmm. Um.
0: Yeah. No. I thought. I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, the other comment that I made is that uh, I just enjoy Finn's accent, and I feel like he should read a sleep story in that accent. So Mark Riley should get on that instead of instead of like his Scottish accent. Normal voice is fine. The Irish accent, a plus. Hmm.
1: He's great. He's great. Yeah. Great. His armor was too big. It was ridiculous. Also, I think at one point I wrote a note that said Anlaf's whole plan was to do all this to take Britain. Respect. Like that's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: it worked. It's true. It's true. It
1: it nearly worked. Like in of all the like Dane enemies that we've seen, that's kind of what I liked about this show is that it's it's not just you know white Anglo saviors of like civilization against the Viking Danes and their pillaging and raping and their violence and yet again we're civilization area it's like the mm-hmm. show equally portrays villains on both sides of things that are, awful and abominable and there's also like incredible heroes and compassionate people on both mm-hmm. side of things and for this battle i think to comprise of both danes and scots and irish and wit like it it very much made a mess mm-hmm. of all of those dividing lines that they were trying to make and that they hold so dearly in their lives i was like And that did a good job. He did a lot more planning than the other Mm Danes ever did, I think. Like, kudos, kudos.
0: Well, and I like the other thing, too, that I put in here. So the battle, whatever it was called, was an actual battle. That they they, mm-hmm. um, and I think some of the other ones were too, but I don't think they were quite as specific throughout the series of like the time and stuff. But that particular battle mm-hmm. happened at a very particular time. And even though like Uhtred is not a real person, uh, a real historical figure, um, that battle still happened. And it was against like with Anlaf and Scotland and all of these things. And I think that's really interesting that they chose to frame that as like the battle. And I really enjoyed, I didn't, I couldn't remember how it happened in the book. And so I really did enjoy like the spikes in the ground uh sort of as like a, yeah. a, a kind of like Tenton hall where they you know dug the laid the the logs over uh the creek or whatever same deal um and it was just and like that's how they got out of the jam basically um was by tricking yeah, them or
1: having the horses come through with the pulling the logs like th- Uhtred's always got uh a, a tactic a strategy that like makes him the best it's not just like his brute force like he's got mm-hmm. the mental capacity too which and i think was is so one of the
0: reasons why like alfred hated him so much at the beginning because alfred always i think always felt that utrid was smarter than he was and like the king should be sort of the smartest and I, I always got that was like some part of the reason why they like clashed so much is that alfred like ultimately felt threatened by Uhtred's capabilities
1: yeah because it was a heathen even though he'd been baptized multiple times against his will um the yeah i think are totally right that there's a, a threatening energy that <laughs> but when they were like doing like oh when the time comes in the battle like you'll know what to do who is it to edmund or osbert who is the one doing all the like signaling of the right time I can't remember.
0: I think it was Edmund, um, not it? I think it was Edmund.
1: Was it Edmund? I wrote, there better be a bomb under these trees or something. I was like, what, what are they waiting for? And then, yeah. oh, horses and trees. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it was you know what like like I, like we said before you could not use the movie as your entry point into all of this cuz you need to know way too many things um in order to make yeah. sense of it but I think given the limitations that they couldn't do another series or another season mm-hmm. I think I think wrapping it up this way and and giving sort of like the finish to Udred's story rather than finishing it where season 5 ended I think gives it sort of that closure because there are those little pieces that they were able to wrap up with Uhtred being in the chronicle and like all of those sorts of things
1: Mm -hmm. even though the end of season five is gorgeous and beautiful and him you know on the ramparts of Bebenberg just like taking it all in and being emotionally crushed by the weight Mm -hmm. of everything it took to get there like this was a really nice catharsis of of recognizing that work and just like having the peace of moving on Mm -hmm. yeah it was good
0: I'm I'm very happy that they did it because like I was satisfied with the end of of the fifth season but yeah I was like I would and I said that in here before I would take like little snippets of like this world forever like there's so many good things and so many good characters and whatever that like I'm still sad that we didn't get more episodes of, like, Uhtred and his Merry Men with the children just, like, wandering through the countryside. Like, I could have used an entire season of that before they moved on.
1: Absolutely, Totally. And I think this show is also like Ted Lasso, where every character in... If you took them out of the show and put them in a different show, would be your favorite character in that new show. Like, each individual is so well written and so interesting and so well acted and it's just it's so watchable it's so compelling it's great television in the best way but not a great film but that's okay yeah no it was good i uh
0: i would say not six out of five but like four and a half out of five for like doing what it needed to do
1: yeah i i think i'd go lower i go lower, but that is more from a story perspective, I think, than like a visual and character perspective. Just like some things just a little too nitty gritty in terms of what I thought was missing from it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a Netflix movie. They could have made it three hours if they wanted to
0: yeah absolutely
1: right so I'm curious if stuff was cut but whatever it is it is what it is
0: um yeah so that was that was that those are the things that uh, we've watched in the last uh little while (laughs) and that's it I haven't done anything else I've read like three books maybe since the last time we talked I've been very busy um
1: that's great. And we're going to have so much to talk about in the next 3 weeks,
0: mate. <laughs> it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Um yeah, it's going to be great. Um yeah. So, uh the reason that we're getting together next weekend is because I turned 40 a couple weeks ago. Um, And I decided a long time ago that I was going to throw myself a birthday party when I turned 40 for, like, a bunch of reasons. Um, Partially because I'm a petty bitch um, is one of the reasons. And partially because I was like, why shouldn't I have a party? I, like, don't particularly love birthdays or anything like that. Like, I don't really care. Um, But I decided I wanted to do this because, A, when I was a kid, 40 was a big deal. And, B... I am not married and I don't have kids. And I don't think either of those things are going to happen for me, which is fine. I mean, the kid thing is certainly not happening because I don't want them, but like, I don't think I'm ever going to get married and that's okay. But at what point do people get to um, buy me expensive presents is really where I was going. It was like, I've gone to people's weddings and, you know, bought stuff for their kids and like, done all of these things and that's fine and I'm not I don't begrudge anybody any of those things but it's like if I don't have kids and I don't get married how come I don't get to have a big party because really the only other time you get one of those is when you retire and Mm -hmm. I don't want to wait another 17 years for someone to buy me uh, expensive kitchen shit you know so (laughs) it's like okay well let's figure (laughs) something out. Uh, so I'm throwing myself a birthday party next week. Uh, and my friend Riva graciously, uh, agreed to host it at her house, which is awesome. Cause my original plan was a hall party, but when I priced it all out and figured out all the things, it was going to probably cost me like 1200 bucks. Um, Mm. because you got to do the liquor license and like buy all the booze ahead of time and rent the hall and get insurance and blah, 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 blah. I was like, that seems like an awful lot. Uh, and then I thought about doing it at a bar, but then I was like, but I do want to leave by nine because bars are loud. Um, and that seems lame. So Riva's house, it is. So it'll be fun. And I'm inviting people from like a large cross section of my life. <laughs> uh, so that I think will be the most interesting part. There's like people from work and there's like longtime friends, uh, friends from high school are coming. Uh Kelsey's obviously coming and she's bringing Larissa because she's, she's like, can I bring her? I'm like, absolutely. That's totally fine. I know Larissa. It's great. Uh, and like, some of my Twitter pals and like, it's going to be a very interesting like mix of people. Um, which I was thinking about last week and I was a little bit stressed out about it. Cause I was like, I'm the only person who's going to know everybody. And I don't like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's like, that's, you know, I've said it once. I'll say it again. You don't need an excuse to be celebrated. It's your birthday. It's a big one. That's wonderful. You don't need to justify or ask permission to go all out. And I'm happy to attend and happy to participate. And uh, I think you, this is what I think is going to happen. You're going to feel exactly the way that I felt on Max's first birthday. (laughs) where there's all these fucking people and they all know you and they all Mm -hmm. sort of know each other but not really and they come in these like packs and they stick together in these packs and it's gonna be a great party and you're not gonna love it but after it's got done you're gonna love it yeah
0: yeah (laughs) No, that's true. And so, like, without getting into the specifics on here, because like, eh, I don't need any identifying details out in the world. Um, There's also there's like some people who were invited who unfortunately can't make it, and I'm 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 sad about that. Like, there's people from out of town that like couldn't swing it or whatever. A couple of people like didn't get the invite um, in in their email, which was like truly heartbreaking um, for reasons. Um, But there's one person who's not coming who I wish was coming because if they were there, it would definitely start a fight um, with people from work. And also I think Aaron would get in on that and probably Jess and maybe Kelsey. Um, I feel like there would be like some things going on and I would very much enjoy watching the fireworks from afar with like a bowl of popcorn uh, just to sort of see how it played out. I think it would be very fun. Unfortunately, they're not coming um, because they're dumb. Uh, and just aren't coming and uh that's too bad it's, It is really believe too bad. Leaving this I can't believe you're leaving this end. oh I'm 100% <laughs> no one's getting here who's gonna we have been talking for an hour and 48 minutes absolutely no one is listening to the end um <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> anyway I just I think it would be fun I didn't even say where uh yeah it, yeah it just it would be fun if they would show up Aaron had a plan to sit and stare like Ron Swanson when he was displeased at things um so she's unfortunately not going to get a chance to do that. My friend Courtney is like, I'm just going to punch him in the face. <laughs> and so like, I was kind of hoping uh, to be able to watch that. And then someone else from work uh, is is coming and Courtney and I were trying to decide uh, if they would be able to pick Courtney and one of our other friends from work up and just like move them out of the fight. I think the answer is yes. Um, and I would have liked to be able to see that too, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a chance. And that is maybe the greatest disappointment of my life thus far. <laughs>
1: Well, I think we we know what the fodder for your first book is going to be. And it's clearly this. <laughs> I think so. It's beef too. Beef <laughs> too. <laughs> maybe.
0: Potentially. Um, and then the the weekend after, we're going to see each other in Calgary because uh, Kelsey's little boy is turning two.
1: Yeah. Can you believe it? I can't
0: no I can't either but I'm very excited uh to go to Calgary and so a couple of my Calgary pals who can't come up next weekend I was like don't worry I'll be in Calgary the weekend after we can hang out then and like oh cool so that'll be fun
1: oh perfect
0: yeah that'll be great um yeah so that's that's that that's what's happening um and I made myself a gift registry for my birthday uh which is uh, uh, the audacity, some people thought it was very audacious. I was like, hey, buy me expensive stuff. Um, why not? And like, people came through <laughs> like in a really big way, uh, which I did not expect because mm-hmm. I get an email notification every time somebody buys something off of the registry. Um, people from work, uh, one of the girls at work, put some stuff together and collected money to buy me a $650 uh, camera lens, as well as she collected enough money to buy fancy donuts and all of the decorations um so I would imagine based on how much I know the donuts cost that she probably collected about 800 bucks from people that I work with which was like very overwhelming for me did not enjoy Mm -hmm. being the center of attention on that day in any way shape or form um because I wanted to cry but I couldn't because there was like 30 people in the place where I eat my lunch um and so once everybody left I like went to my yearbook office and sat down and had a little cry and then went back to where I was before and I was like okay hey, we're fine no one needs to know about this um because that was a lot that felt very like I was uncomfortable with that
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but yeah so uh, lot. it was but good
1: it, it was fun like I said you don't need to justify you being celebrated Megan
0: um yeah anyway so that's why we're going to see each other twice in the next two weeks I'm very excited about that um because it just kind of hasn't worked out in recent months to like get together No,
1: we've had a lot of weird stuff going on but yes it's gonna be great especially because one of those is gonna be kid free
0: except for one so
1: kid. but he's the coolest kid. Well, i mean i'll be kid free yeah
0: yeah, there's, we're going to have one child at my birthday for a little while, uh, but he's my very best friend, so he's allowed to be there. That's
1: fucking rude, dude. I'm right here.
0: Um, <laughs> you are not six, so yes, yeah, he's allowed to be there. For my real birthday, do you know what he bought me? A jar of pickles.
1: Oh my god. I'm ripping off we- my imaginary BFF, my beef side of our <laughs> necklace, and I'm throwing it in the garbage.
0: <laughs> um yeah because uh, james and i both love pickles and so that was my birthday present from him it was a jar of pickles and it was and some flowers and it was the cutest thing in the world oh
1: my god that's so fucking cute yeah
0: it was good um but yeah so yeah kelsey will be child-free uh next weekend that's two weekends in a row that you're child-free look at that
1: <laughs> yeah that's because i'm Solo parenting for 15 days in May.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. I see I see how this trade-off works. You get two weekends and the Chris gets 15 days. I see. See how this works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well then I get a week in London too. So the ah, timing sort of works.
0: Yeah, there we go. Um yeah, so that's what's happening. So you might we maybe we'll have things to talk about uh in the nearest future. We also will talk about um Ted Lasso next time we uh record because maybe by then the season will be over and we can just talk about the whole thing uh because it's real yeah, good that's
1: what i'm that's what i'm hoping to do
0: um that is all we have today we've talked for a very long time um you can find our things all over the internet uh iTunes soundcloud stitcher maybe some other ones i don't know um we have lots of the
1: internet is such a scary sentence it really is isn't it, <laughs> it really is. um
0: yeah you can find us on uh instagram You can email us the website um yeah that's about it also i just got the renewal notice for the soundcloud whatever for another year so i guess we're stuck with it because i forgot to talk to you about that before so we have unlimited oh, stories okay. for another year
1: <laughs> that's okay send me the bill
0: Uh, anyway uh, yeah so I did just like it just went through like a week ago and I was like oh right I forgot to put that in my calendar (laughs) anyway um, yeah you can find us all over the place uh, and we will try to record in less than six weeks this time I don't know if that's going to be possible because I am busy every weekend from now until June 16th (laughs) so we'll see what happens
1: (laughs) (laughs) you on june 16th
0: yeah we'll see what happens um as always thank you so much for listening
1: and we'll see you in the dumpster